Hi guys, I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, the photographer behind Men in This Town and editor of Mitt Magazine. I want to welcome you to a new episode of Portrait Session, in partnership with Armani Exchange Connected. This podcast takes a closer look at who the men on the street are by bringing them into the studio for a portrait and having a chat about their particular approach to the many facets of life. This week, I connected with Cesar Cueva and Daniel Narvez, two lifelong friends with a common urge to make things. This shared creative drive has kept them in each other's faces for over a decade, whether they liked it or not. Now, with their own respective businesses under the same roof of Sydney's Strand Arcade, the two reminisce about the journey that got them to where they are today. A tailor and a metalsmith, amongst a few other endeavors, creating beautiful things that are authentic to them. Head over to meninthistown.com to view selects from our portrait session. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the conversation that took place. <laughs> Alright guys, uh, let's uh, introduce yourselves. Yep. Hi there, my name is Cesar Cueva. I'm a designer, a metalsmith and creative director for Courtesy of the Artist. And my name is Daniel Narvez. I'm owner, founder, creative director of Mr. Mr. Okay, so how, how do you guys know each other? We, we go way back. So our parents knew each other like back in the late 70s. In fact, our grandparents knew each other back in Peru. And when my parents moved to Australia in 1979, they uh, were happy to see familiar faces on the plane, and that was Daniel's parents. 1979, you said? Yeah, 1979. 1979, so I've been around that long, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't around. <laughs> the younger one. The younger one. <laughs> so, yeah, I've known Daniel like all of my life, pretty much, and all of his life. I uh, have many, many stories that I could <laughs> say about Daniel, but maybe that's for another time. And where did you guys actually grow up together? Well, I grew up out southwest Sydney uh, in, in Abbotsbury, which is right next to Fairfield, in between Fairfield and Liverpool. Um, Daniel grew up in... St. Clair. So I grew up further out west yeah, in right. western Sydney. Um, but again, through the community, well, our families stayed friends. Yeah, and that's amazing. I love that, especially when you don't know anybody when your parents come here. And it's like to kind of be able to have the connection that stays for a long time is quite important and amazing to have. Rare to find sometimes. Amen. Yeah, look, I can I can only count maybe on one hand the amount of people that I know from way back when. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dan and I only kind of knew each other from family functions, but it wasn't until like I had started my business and Dan was studying industrial design and yeah. he kind of just came up uh, into my studio one day and said, hey, dude, I'm... I'm doing this thing and I said, oh, dude, I've just left that thing. That's, we should probably talk. <laughs> <laughs> I literally walked into my acceptance interview crossing Caesar with a box leaving the school. Yeah, right. What school was that? Uh, it was the Industrial Design School over at Western Sydney. Yeah, right. Yeah, at the University of Western Sydney. Caesar was going on to art school at the time and we literally, I remember going, hey, that's Caesar. Yeah, we crossed paths and yeah, kept in touch. It's amazing. And what kind of was the? Did you guys want to work together, or 
what was the connection that you guys wanted to kind of keep that way? Well, Dan came to me uh, with an idea of wanting to start a, a brand for himself. And so, you know, over many, many beers, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> he came up with this idea and uh, called Mr. Mister. And I said, oh, okay, that sounds like a great idea, dude. I've got a space. Why don't we just you know, put something together and uh, let's let's see what you can do with it. Where was your space? Well, I've still got it. It's in Surrey Hills. It's at Tim B. Fitzroy Place. It's currently uh, a, a co-op, I suppose. Uh, I have many others that I share the space with. But it was my the first um, bricks and mortar gallery studio space. So how long have you had that? 13 years. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. We launched it as Metal Lab and Metal Lab ran for 10 years. And in like... In, in between that period, uh, I started a separate um, brand called Courtesy of the Artist with my business and uh, my business partner and wife, Nina. Uh, and that has just flourished into what it is today, I guess. Incredible. Yeah. That's, I think, was the point of it to help with other artists kind of, I don't know, uh, have a space to kind of you know expand and kind of grow or... Was it just kind of a share space that you guys wanted to? Well, initially, uh, I did my undergrad in arts uh, at the Canberra School of Art. And so when I moved back to Sydney, there was no place to show work. So I was very fortunate to find this space. And on a whim, I guess, I decided that, you know what, I can make a gallery out of this space. It's 160 square metres. I thought that maybe like within a year and a half, I could set up my own studio, make my own work, you know, create work for exhibitions and then hold exhibitions maybe like every other month and that would be a sustainable enterprise, but it, it was not. What kind of work were you wanting to do? Well, when I left Sydney for Canberra, I wanted to uh, I wanted to make objects. You know, that's why I chose the Canberra School of Art because they their alumni uh, was were famous for making objects, you know, these beautifully handcrafted objects for tableware lighting and furniture and i had just left an industrial design program where uh it was like design thinking was precisely that and i wanted i i guess like having learned about the bauhaus movement i really wanted to investigate design through making and that's why i chose canberra yeah did you feel like that was something that you wanted to do when you were younger like how does that come to play that i want to create objects <laughs> oh that's that's a great question uh yeah. for, for me that um that was purely by accident i my father had an engineering business when i was a kid and he would ask me to sweep up uh, all of the metal filings from his machines and i hated it mm. like it was it was not a it was not a thing that i i would always maintain that i was going to have an office job like i wanted to be an architect i knew that design was you know like a, a route that i wanted to pursue but I didn't want to get my hands dirty. I was one of those kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I seriously didn't. I, my, my dad started a plastic recycling company yeah. and used our labor <laughs> for yeah. the longest yeah. time. <laughs> absolutely, I, I swore to myself I would never work in a factory. Oh my God, ever. I said the same thing. <laughs> I, I stuck to that. <laughs> that is so bizarre. <laughs> you got your hands dirty though. Well, the thing is, when I was at um, design school, uh, I had to choose a major course of study and there was nothing that they offered that I felt a really wanted to pursue i wanted to design watches that was actually why yeah, i looked right, into yeah. jewelry making so then i, I went to um the, the city city institute of technology uh, enmore tafe uh, and spoke to them about potentially doing their course in concurrent with my degree course and um there was a, a wonderful woman by the name of martha henderson who enabled that for me so it was 
literally the day that I walked into that workshop, I knew that I had found something that I wanted to to do for at least, you know, part of my life, yeah, right. you know. Yeah. And Dan, how about yourself? Yes. So after the school then, did you kind of go directly to Caesar? Was um, it, or was it, did you work somewhere else? Yeah, so I fell into finance. To finance? Yeah, yeah and I right. became a business analyst. I worked by basically in the online space in finance, in the finance world. Um, I ended up becoming a business analyst and project manager for a big bank. And so this was before you even went to study anything to do with clothing. I, no, I went to industrial design. Industrial design. When, when I finished industrial design at, at UWS, yeah, I ended up in in that space, and yeah, I did right. that for almost five years. But during that whole period, I was forever pursuing small design ideas and always having in the back of your it was always mind. in the back of my head it was mm. kind of somewhere I, I i don't believe i ever wanted to be but it facilitated a paycheck yeah right at the time yeah. and i seem to have been really good at it uh even though i hated it it doesn't mean you're loving it or enjoying exactly, it at all, exactly exactly so. so then during that period conversations with caesar became more and more plentiful I guess Mm. Um, the catch-ups and the meetings and the conceptual ideas were always there Uh, come a time where I was able to leave that space and I ended up originally in in Metalab in the gallery and doing what Um, helping (laughs) Dan became uh, he was the front of house yeah Yeah, he (laughs) was the person that you would be faced with whenever you came to visit and uh, he became really good at that (laughs) so I was really thankful for having Dan around because he completely um, kind of created an experience for people and that was really important for the development I guess of of my business because then I was able to focus um, on other things and then ultimately we kind of built Dan into our current business so anyone who who walks through our doors now, you know, meets a Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you went then, Caesar, to create your own objects, um, jewelry. How did jewelry come into the play? Your own. Well, whilst whilst I was at art school, um, I, I was asked to make jewelry. You know, I mean, I, I had already done one year of the jewelry and object design course mm-hmm. at Enmore, so I was able to work at that scale. But it wasn't until people had started to ask me to make little bits and pieces that I even like, uh, you know, began an interest in jewelry. So when I moved back to Sydney and, and started Metal Lab, it was our very first exhibition was a lighting show. So uh, Metal Lab was specifically more objects or. Jewelry as well. Or? It was jewelry and objects, mostly well, jewelry okay. and metalwork. Metal yeah, work. yeah. So right. we, um, <laughs> I, I had this idea that you know I wanted to be, uh, we wanted to be at, at the forefront of uh, a renaissance for metalwork in this country. You know, mm. uh, and it was really, really at the beginnings, I guess, of what is now like the current maker movement. Like we didn't even know that that was a thing. You know, it was prior to the, the internet being as helpful as it is, I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, now. So I just knew that it was an avenue where I could create things and then have a bricks and mortar place where I could show people and hopefully sell it. It definitely yeah. was before the whole last five years of when that... St- Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, you know, from an outsider as a young kid looking in, no one could actually describe what it no, was because right. it didn't exist. Yeah. You know, there was no stores around that existed in that space. The gallery concept, especially in contemporary jewellery, the way I know it, 
it was nothing like it. No. The events, monthly events, you know, you'd have four, three, four hundred people in a little alleyway in the side of Surrey Hills, like literally spilling out onto the streets. So people responded then. Most definitely. Like it was that you found an audience. Oh, absolutely. It was um, it was kind of funny because we we weren't in a traditional like, like Sydney gallery space you know we were in tucked away in a little alleyway mm -hmm. you had to find us we were total destination yeah so we really quickly became um i suppose we identified more with uh being an events kind of company as opposed to being yeah. a design company even though design is what we were trying to push and sell and market and that um like everything i, I suppose that i do has some design thinking to it but really, we, we are an events company. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the events that end up just generating people and then you sell more. Is that not the case? I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pivotal to our, to our business structure because, uh, I mean, the, the retail landscape has changed so drastically in the last oh God, yeah. five, even, even ten years, you know. So it's really important to maintain that sense of community and involve the community in everything that we do so that they, you know, the, they would hopefully want to contribute in some way. What was kind of the, at the time, like there was Surrey Hills, was that kind of the same place it is now or was it something before? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is it feels very Melbourne-like. Was there other places in Sydney that kind of had that vibe or was it almost Surrey Hills kind of being the first to? Well, when I was a, when I was a student in um, the late 90s and I would come back to, to visit Sydney, uh, I would spend time in Surrey Hills because I felt like the, my tribe was there. Yeah, right. You know, so I would, you know, I would be there over evenings. I would go there and visit galleries. And then when I finally moved there, I felt like, yeah, this is, th there is no other place that I could possibly open this gallery. So it yeah. just seemed like a, a fortuitous for having met the people that subleased to me. It's, I think it's a completely different suburb now. Um, so it has changed in the last... Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it kind of had to change. Um, in what way? Well, I guess it's uh, it's a story that happens worldwide, you know, mm -hmm. the, the whole gentrification thing. Um, when, I, when we first opened Metal Lab, there was, there was a great deal of artists and creative people that were making Surrey Hills their, their home and there was plentiful uh, studio spaces and, you know, it, it isn't so much the case now. Um, yeah, I mean, people wanted to be around that particular type of scene and then you know, restaurants opened up and closed and there became a real excitement about being and living in mm. Surrey Hills and, you know, property prices went up, I guess, and it just drove people who... Of course, the property yeah. prices. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a classic that thing, right? Like, so that, that has happened. And in fact, that's just happening to me now. Um, after 13 years, we'll be winding down um, the, the Surrey Hills space because, um, yeah, our... our our warehouse, our factory, our studio will be uh, apartments. Is yeah. that not sad? How did that make you feel it's like? It's it was sad <laughs> when I uh, originally um, had heard the news and, uh, you know, I wanted to fight it. But then really, like, uh, it, it didn't take me very long to, to think that maybe this is a, a great time to do something different, you know? Absolutely. We get so comfortable and not want to kind of change where yeah. change sometimes is the best thing to happen, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's you can always count on that, right? Yeah. yeah. And then for yourself, yes. being in this space, yes. did this kind of inspire you to start Mr. Mister? Most definitely. Yeah. Um, 
you know, coming out of design school, I always kind of go back to that. Our education was very different. The people that I'd met during that period were very different. The people, the jobs that were, we were aligning with were completely different. So being of, involved with MetaLab opened my eyes to a whole different way of living, a whole you know, different scene in terms of making and understanding and mm. representing and building community. So uh, I didn't want anything more than to what be What other people were in there? What kind of other makers? It's a, you know, it was just the, the truth was I'd never seen any makers. Yeah, like right. Industrial designers were completely different to jewelers and you know painters and you know glass blowers and ceramicists and you know these every day you'd get to speak to somebody else about their thinking and about their process and about their what and their why mm-hmm. um, and being you know in my mid 20s this was fascinating i was like dude i get to meet people every day you know? and the fact that there are people that are you may not know or have an interest in what they're making, but the, the passion oh, kind of... It, it I, rubs off on you. Oh my God, it does. <laughs> it's, I, I'm obsessed with just, you know, the, one of the reasons why I do the podcast is, I, or whenever I interview someone, if whether it's for the magazine or this, or I get these big butterflies in my stomach yes. after I hear an amazing story. Not even an amazing, it doesn't have to be an amazing story, but just to hear somebody excited about something reinvigorates you. you exactly. Know? That energy kind of rubs off, yeah. doesn't it? Exactly. Oh. And, you know... You know, we've known each other all our lives. So we're having these conversations. Then we're having the same conversation with new people, mm. young artists, established artists, new designers, people trying new things. I, I, I remember very early on I made the decision. I'm like, no, this is going to be the rest of my life. Yeah, I need right. to be a part of this. And I, I remember initially I'd be knocking on Caesar's door every other month. I want to come in. He's like, yeah. no, or, not yet, or whatever. <laughs> no. You know, it took us years to get to that point. I think he just gave in because I was really annoying. Um, well, not, not much has changed. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think I actually gave him the, the thumbs up. I think he just finally just walked through my doors one day and I, I had to talk to him. And so that became uh, this, this this beautiful brotherhood. You know, it's a really good yeah. friendship. And it's um, we we do this on, on a pretty much on a daily daily basis yeah. yeah and what was the first kind of thing for for you to create with the, the new brand that you were oh, creating so mr mr basically originally uh, started as um, a men's accessories rep- uh, we represented yeah young young brands that specifically made men's accessories right. so there was a few brands that i originally bought to australia um which were really cool and yeah that was how, how it all started uh, and it was great at the time. It was a really good idea, probably a little bit outside of my scope, admittedly, now that I've moved forward in business. Um, but, you know, it then kind of paved the way to what Mr. Mr. has become now, which what is, is a, a men's, t- a, we're a tailoring service. You know, we're a men's fashion line. We make made-to-measure menswear. Um, yeah. How did that happen with your kind of skills and kind of learning that? Oh, bizarrely enough, it um, it was actually a, the the way that it started was by chance. Mm. A client of mine introduced me to a maker and producer. We hit it off and decided to move Mr. Mister into, you know, its current guys. I've yeah. never been trained in fashion. Um, I'm an industrial designer mm-hmm. by trade, but my skills were cut in finance, like we were saying earlier. Uh, I 
do and still believe. Basically, I've provided a, a, a how do I say this? A, an avenue by which men can dress correctly mm -hmm. with my help. <laughs> what is correctly for you? Like, what is it? Oh. What's the kind of the the guy that would come into Mister Mister to? That's a up? really good question. Um, Mister Mister makes you know men's uniforms. We yeah. create a daily uniform for the modern man or not, whoever he might be. The guy that walks in my door basically understands himself, but needs a little bit of help getting it right. Yeah. And that right can mean anything, you know, like be a classic navy blue suit, be it a tuxedo for their weddings, um, or, you know, a nice blazer, you know, if they live in the creative space. Have you found in, you know, for me, documenting um, men's style on the streets? Yeah been doing it for about eight years now and it's especially in Sydney it's yes I felt like started bubbling up in the last mm. maybe five years of guys caring a bit more about their dress most definitely did you find that picked up recently it's very recently started mm. to pick up it's um I think you know being Sydney is like a very conservative market mm -hmm. it's starting to find its voice um, slowly. <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> slowly. Um, so there's just this element of a young professional and or gentleman that, um, and women, I make a lot of women's blazers as well. People that just want to express themselves and more importantly, have clothing that fits them mm. correctly, uh, which is something we guarantee, you know, because once it's made for you, it's yours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's something special in that, that I yeah. think is not, um, talked about enough and kind of people just kind of go buy off the rack and precisely to have something tailor-made is something else <laughs> isn't it yeah totally <laughs> totally and I guess these are ideals that I picked up via my time in MetaLab you know and and also working with Curtis who's the artist um working alongside um <laughs> you know every <laughs> single week you'd see a piece made for somebody or an exhibition body of work that was designed under a brief that would fit the space you know there'd be pictures framed for the wall size not because of the artwork you yeah, know right. there was walls painted in particular colors because you were trying to exude certain emotions when people walked in the door there was yeah. so That's all amazing. these little elements and you're starting to watch these conversations to decipher and kind of come to life then you're like oh no i can do that too but i do it by fashion you know and it's really it's it's amazing to be in that conversation where you're literally creating something for somebody's character. Mm -hmm. um, because not everything's made for everybody. No, absolutely. You know? And it's, it takes time for people to kind of find their style and how the way they want to do it. Most definitely. So speaking of style, a good segue. Um, what are your personal styles all about? Caesar, if you want to get started. My personal style, um, I guess... Um, I wouldn't well, start with that. What your style is about and what you are wearing today? Okay, what I'm wearing. Look, I am wearing Mr. Mister right now. Uh, <laughs> this is my uniform, but I, I don't think that I wear it in the same way that um, most of uh, Mr. Mister. Are you guys both wearing Mister Mister? Yes. So yes. That's amazing to kind of see the contrast there and the way it could go. You know. Well, well yeah. I mean, I have, I guess. Uh, a pre-art school look and a post-art school look. Like when when I went to art school, <laughs> I had come straight from working in design offices. So I I was a, a lot more dapper, I guess. Um, 
And then whilst I was at our school, we all, by the end of fourth year, we all started to look the same, which was uh, Blundstone boots, you know, you had your good pair and you had your dirty pair, then you had, you know, your, your cargos or your jeans, and then you had layers of t-shirts and linen. That's very Aussie. Isn't absolutely. It? It's a very Aussie look. That's uh, an Aussie uniform, right? Absolutely, think. yeah. And what I guess I learned from that was I would rotate you know, so I would buy a good pair of Blundstones and I graduated to RM. So I would always have my, my good pair that I would put on of an afternoon after art school to go out to a function. Yeah. And then that would become my workshop pair once they were all scuffed. <laughs> so having left art school, I've, I've pretty much um, maintained that pragmatic um, guys. I, I mean, when I wake up, in the morning and I think about what I'm going to wear, I just think about whom I have to meet with on that particular day. If I don't have to meet anyone, uh, you know, to, to impress, I guess, if I don't have like a, um, a consultation, then I will just wear my not so great linen shirt with yeah. my not so great <laughs> linen pants, <laughs> which is the same as my good pair, just less scuffed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was nice to kind of have that. It, it's your clothing does transition and it kind of, you know, you have your comfy kind of dirty yeah. clothes, but then you have fancy clothes. Absolutely. Same I mean, I, I do take cues, uh, I guess, from like uh, like workwear, like like old school workwear, Japanese, American, French. Mm. Uh, that's the kind of look that, that I, I, I um, gravitate towards, I guess. And then I'll just accessorize it with like a hat and the, the jewelry that I make. And that's it. What's the hat wearing now? Uh, this is a super duper, actually, from um, Stray Hatters. Yeah. And your watch there? My watch is at Money Exchange. It's a beautiful black. Um, I'm not sure what the finish is. It, it looks like it's it might be an anodized finish uh, with a black face and a black um, black fixtures. And how about that ring? Or is that looks like a this is a this is a handmade mine original from way back when. It's probably about 15 years old. It's a it's a big chunky faceted ring that I made for an exhibition. Uh, it's lost its patina, so it's kind of black and grey now. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, how about yourself? Um, my personal style is completely different to Caesar's. Um, I guess the best way I describe it is Mr. Mr. Ivy. Yeah, it's, yeah. Ivy, yeah. Yeah. My references have always been 50s jazz through to 70s New Rican. You know. Where does that come from? Home. Being Latino. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Being Latino. Um, my father was a musician. and Jazz so, musician? No, he was a percussionist, Latin percussionist. Oh, yeah. So um, he always had this real polished kind of vibe, I guess was the best way to describe it, um, on stage and off stage. Um, and I guess that rubbed off a little bit. Mm. You know, he'd be the guy. He was the mechanic that wore a suit to work. Um <laughs> And that's the best way I can describe that or the influence of that, you know, through my life I found music and then I realised that's kind of how I how I dress. How did that kind of evolve from when you were younger and oh, to where it is now? I think it was a confidence thing in mm. dressing the way that I wanted to look as opposed to how I was told to look. Yeah. Um, you know, as a young teen or even in your 20s, you're still trying to find your own voice. And you're forever dressing in it, you know, like I would have worn skinny jeans and when I... When I Don't get me started. <laughs> you know, skinny jeans and Converse and, yeah. you know, the tightest t-shirt that I could probably fit into. Um, I still remember one day getting a light lecture 
from my employer at the time that said, I don't care what you wear as long as you wear a collared shirt to work. Yeah, right. That may have coincided with my first day at work at Medelec. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it was kind of like, well, there, there are things that you hear about every day and it's like always wear a coat to dinner. Yeah. Always wear closed toe shoes to a meeting. Always make sure your shoes are polished. Make sure that your shirt's ironed. Make sure that your pants are pressed. Yeah, all mm-hmm. these little things. Um, and, and it becomes habit and it just becomes totally, your kind you of know, natural way of going about it. Totally. It? You know, now I live in blues, greys and, you know, a jacket of some sort. Today I'm wearing a tie because it's nice and cold outside. So I'm in a regimental tie from the Strand Hatters, actually. I've put my hat down. That's also from the Strand Hatters. Um, you know, wearing a Mr. Mr. Sack jacket, which, you know, is super, super jazz inspired from few references that I have but yeah amazing and uh and how about yeah sorry no no go for it go for it um I've accessorized today with uh still Armani exchange watch with a beautiful blue face it's tight <laughs> and um an heirloom I, I've got a ring that is that's amazing yeah I, I don't know how old it is I think it's about 45 years old what's the initials on it dn which are my initials but they were also my father's initials is it your father it was my father's ring yeah yeah so he passed that down to me when i was 21 a long time ago now (laughs) and um i basically haven't taken it off that's lovely to have an heirloom like that yeah passed on for your family it's rare i think to kind of have those yeah and really kind of be incorporated in your own personal style it's bizarre like i remember putting it on it i only put it on a couple of years ago but it was um i can't imagine it was like the look came together but Mm. it was bizarrely by one piece of jewelry what is your average day in sydney like what do you guys get up to besides work uh, look, we, we work hard, we play hard. Yeah. That is the <laughs> truth. And I, I mean, um, I know we, we often <laughs> get mistaken for each other because we seem to be um, doing the same kinds of things. But, but I don't, uh, in terms of an average day, I guess, look, I'll, I'll get up uh, at seven and I'll, I'll walk the dog. That's, that's what I do every day, yeah. really. So Esteban. Are you a morning person? Yeah. Uh, look, I do my best work, I guess, at, at night time. But yeah. I, don't, I don't have a problem, like being on as soon as I'm yeah, up, right. you know. So I walk the dog and as soon as I've walked the dog, then I know that I've got a small period just to myself. So I pretty much spend, you know, between nine and ten just doing whatever th- what I want to do, you know. Mm. I might flick through a magazine or I'll do some sketches or I'll just listen to a podcast. What, whatever I think, um, I think will help with whatever creative endeavour I have that week, that's what I'll do. And then I'll work for several hours. Uh, then I might just go for a wander. I, I love doing that uh, <laughs> with my camera. That's my happy time. Um, sometimes I have to go into my store for a consultation or a bump in of a show or a meeting of some description. Um, and then, yeah, then it comes dinner time. You know, I might meet up with Dan or, or some colleagues and friends and we'll go f- for dinner and some drinks. And then, you know, might have another drink and then I'll go <laughs> home. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> Always a good drink there. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney, there's plenty of places to kind of go check out. So. It's almost <laughs> rude. We'll never die first. <laughs> Is that a way that you guys, um, how do you kind of try to make sure that you stay connected? Because you guys obviously don't work in the same space anymore. What's mm. that? I think that leisure time's yeah. important. 
you know, we don't often do breakfast. Um, we'll do lunch at least yep. once a week. Mm. We'll do dinner at least once or twice a week. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's about mate, it's about keeping in touch, making sure the ideas are flowing. I think we do. We joke about not holding each other accountable, but we do hold each other accountable for a lot of work mm, because we speak a lot about the direction of each other's business. We have shared interests as yeah. well. You know, we are, we we both like um, to take photos, yeah. and so we're constantly just kind of sharing ideas and uh, showing each other, you know, our, our shots and kind of. You know, I guess asking without asking, like what we, th- what we think of each other's work, and yeah. yeah. And yeah. is that in person or is it through online or is I mean, because we could easily just get stuck in just messaging. That's or, a lot, of, a yeah. lot in person. Yeah. I yeah. think we might send each other a random shot. Like you'll be like, "Hey man, what are you working on?" And I'll literally take a photo of Lightroom because I'm on it. Mm. <laughs> like this is what I'm working on. Yeah. Um, or you know, we'll show the shot. How did you get that? Yeah, yeah. What did you do? How was yeah. the light? What yeah. time was it? What were you yeah. thinking? You know, or what were you trying to do? Yeah, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> that was you want to get into each other's heads, don't you? And just kind of really it's, know what they're thinking. It's bizarre. It's kind of, it's interesting. Like, I think Caesar alluded to it earlier. It's, it's liberating to have somebody that you work alongside with that you can actually ask almost any single question and not get offended by their answer. They get you and you know. Totally. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we started, uh, you know, with doing a, sh- a short co- course at ACP together. So it was a yeah. short six-week course. And so in terms of timeline, like we're at the same place, but we, we shoot very different things, you know. So it's really interesting to get his point of view and... I'm hoping vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys focus on then from a photography point of view? I photograph every day. Uh, I, I, I suppose still life, mostly product photography um, for the store and uh, for the gallery. Um, but then when I'm not doing that, I, I still have a, a, a really big interest in architecture and how, how people um, interact with architecture. So it's... Your eye while environmental. looking at that. And Absolutely. It's, yeah, and it's yeah. just something you want to document then in the end. Right? Amen. I mean, that's my previous training. Uh, that's a previous life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I suppose um, I still enjoy all facets of design. Like, I just really admire, like, how much effort has gone into a particular detail and how th- something was constructed or crafted. And so, I, you know, I'll just take a snap of that. And, and sometimes it, I will obsess on that. Mm. Uh, how about yourself, Dan? Similar. Um, I guess the original idea was to be able to shoot my own work. Yes. And <laughs> that's kind of important. So it's fashion-based. Um, <laughs> I take a lot of photos of myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's an expertise right there. That's something that's difficult sometimes, I think. Yeah, I seem to be an expert at taking photos of myself. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's the reality of the culture that we live in, though. Now, isn't it? And Precisely. It's such a way to kind of promote your work, and if you could promote it on yourself, which you're probably going to sell it best. Why well, not? that's right. And the truth is, it's that's how it's going to fit. Mm. So I can actually show people what it'll look like, designed Absolutely. by me, shot by me, and worn the way that it should be worn. Totally. The well, way at least the way I like to wear it. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. You were talking about style earlier, it, you know, Caesar and I might wear the same clothes, but in completely contrasting styles, mm. um, despite it being the same garment. Yeah. Um, and there's something really interesting about that. Yeah. What? How do you guys feel about the whole retail scene at the moment? I have mixed feelings about it, really. Like, I, 
I, for one, don't necessarily have to be at the forefront, like on a day-to-day level. I'm in the studio most of the time. So I suppose when I, when I think about retail, I'm, I'm thinking about how I can make um, an experience better. Totally. Mm. Is that what you're doing with Courtesy of the Artist? Yeah. yeah I've, I've always maintained, well, Nina and I have always maintained uh, how important it is to have a, brick, a bricks and mortar um, event space, not just a retail space. So uh, or almost a year ago now, we opened a new gallery in, um, well, we don't actually call it a gallery, we, we call it Courtesy of the Artist Loft on the fourth floor of the Strand Arcade. And it's basically a hybrid space. It's a, a, a gallery, it's an event space, it's a function room. Uh, where we hold product launches, like corporate events, dinners, uh, exhibitions, all, all, all these types of events in order to maintain uh, interest, I guess, in, uh, in our brand, in our space, and also, um, you know, like opening it up to as many people as we can. Yeah. How do you feel that's been working in the last year and a half? It's taken, I suppose, like the first six months um, you know, to, to let it find its feet. And now it's really, really come into its own, which is great. You know, we've, we've held events for Fashion Week. You know, we've held product launches for brands that we may never have worked with before. Mm. Uh, I use it as a, um, as a photograph, uh, photographic studio. Um, and then th- working m- more closely, I suppose, with, um, with the corporate market, we're able to offset some of that to curate exhibitions that we may not have had before you know so now we don't compromise on the things that we curate because we don't curate purely with sales in mind we can just you know like show things we want to yeah and i guess your space is about kind of um it's a destination rather than kind of coming across it absolutely yeah Yeah, we're on the we took over a space on the fourth floor that hasn't been activated in 36 years wow really so but it's really no different to running a gallery from a laneway in surrey hills so we knew that it was just um you know like using our database the best that we can uh and then just activating it on a weekly basis so we do have two or three events in that space a week Dan, how about yourself? Do you find that having that, you have a more, same building, but more public space? Most definitely. That helps. So. I've, back to what Caesar was saying earlier, it's authenticity. Mm. We, having a bricks and mortar space to me, lets me walk the talk. Um, and man. gives me a space where I am allowed to do things, two things, or multiple things, obviously. But um, most importantly, I'm able to actually show what I do, the way I do it in the space that I designed. You create in there. 100%. Well. Yeah. 100%. And then, um, secondly, champion from in front, you know, and show this is what we do and this is how much I believe in it and mm. I think you should look at it too. Um, there's something beautiful about having people walk in the door and experience the garments in a space that, were desi- that was designed for the garments. The whole story totally. of kind of you feel it all, doesn't totally. it? Totally. Yeah. It could be the playlist that's on that day. It could be the scent that we've got running through the room. It's definitely the fixtures because they were designed specifically for the arcade. Um, and it's the arcade. Mm. Like the Strand Arcade mm. is arguably one of the more beautiful buildings in this country as far as I'm concerned. And I feel also just a little bit underrated. I don't totally. know. There's, it's totally. such an incredible mm. space. And the fact that it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's all Australian uh, makers in the building for the are most part. mostly yeah. designers. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's just something that's quite amazing to have in 100%. a big city like this. And it's a bizarre thing, you know. It could just be on a any afternoon. The 
blue that comes off the pane glass on the mm. above us. And, you know, we jo jo joke that it's a greenhouse, but <laughs> there's all these colors just popping off the walls and it's, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, oh no, this is beautiful. And yeah. we're really fortunate to be able to be here. Therefore, it's almost like, I believe my responsibility as a, as a dude yeah, yeah. or as a business owner to be able to keep championing that. Yeah. Right in the middle of the city. Right in the yeah, middle look, of the city. I, I think we're pretty lucky. Like the Australian Arcade has traditionally been, uh, you know, like the home for Australian design and, and, and fashion. And the second floor particularly has always been about the bespoke, you know. Mm -hmm. So Dan and I, we, we both operate from the second floor. So I think people who are looking for something made custom, they know that they can come to the Strand, they can go to the second floor and they know that they can find something for them. Yeah, absolutely. I was wound off with the last question, but what does it feel like to be you guys right now? <laughs> What's going on in your head? Confusion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, look. I it's funny. I, I I'm constantly frustrated with where 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 I am. Like in, in context of being a designer, being an artist, being a man. I guess sometimes, like I just I I work uh, hard so that I can play hard. You know, like. I work my, my nine to fives so that I c can afford, you know, like my five till 10 and, and work play is what I call it. Like I can make my art. I can just m make things that I want to make. Um, that's and are you in a good creative space at the moment? I think I am. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm coming into something uh, like a new era for my work. I've just recently discovered um, hand engraving uh, I've, I've discovered how to incorporate it into my practice. So I've been using that as, um, as a point of departure. So I'm really excited about um, fusing my, my architectural eye, I suppose, and my, my training as a metalsmith and, and to see what comes out of that. How about yourself, Dan? That's, that's a good question. Um, that frustration is Probably why we speak about design yeah. every <laughs> other day. Um, it's probably, it comes with the territory, doesn't it? Hundred uh, percent frustration. <laughs> if you're not frustrated, I always wonder. Like as a creative, I always wonder if you're pushing hard enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm forever trying to learn about myself. It's funny Caesar mentions that as a man. Um, you know, always trying to become a better, whatever it might be, hmm. a better designer, a better friend, a better business owner, a better maker a better everything mm. um you know i think i'm in a good creative space at the moment i'm definitely in my own self found i've just created a few little projects that are in my head at the moment that um that i'll be able to kind of share with the world eventually um but it's forever pushing you know like that comes with its own frustrations. <laughs> Keep pushing, guys. It's heaps of fun. It's, it's <laughs> a curse. Isn't it? It's the creative curse yep, of like it is. always <laughs> looking for the next thing. I mean, I dream about things I want to do and it's like, it's always thinking Seriously, and it's always trying like, to do something. Yeah, I think a lot of creatives have that kind of frustration. Oh God, Even yeah. when they've, well, you know, when is, when is a piece finished? You know, it's mm. that, that classic question, I suppose. Yeah, is it good enough? Is it worthy of an exhibition? Is it worth putting out in the world? Like, it's just, it's just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. Caesar, you mentioned uh, about being a man. How do you feel right now, and kind of, what's it like to be a man in this day and age? Um, it it is sometimes confusing, I guess. What, especially now with, um, well, look, all, all I know about manhood is what I. 
I've learnt for myself having, um, you know, lived through my teens, I guess. But my, my father had a m- massive role in f- informing me as a young man. And now uh, as, a, as an adult, I'm 42 now, um, and it, it's, it's a really interesting question because I was just telling Dan that I've only recently discovered my... Um, my latinaness, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like so I am super Peruvian right now. I, I'm so excited about learning more about my Peruvian culture and what that means for me to, to be a man. Because my, my father, whilst he's a, a modest man, he's, I suppose, still has some of those old school, I think maybe Latino, uh, you know, like, bravado sensibilities which I did see growing up and I made an effort not to necessarily be that way which is how do you think that is well I guess um I did spend a lot of time with uh my mom and my sister and I I I have uh, a really fine-tuned like feminine perspective I I guess Uh, and as a teenager I I spent a lot of time (laughs) with with girls rather than <laughs> hanging out with with dudes and being dude stuff like i i played soccer like like four times a week i guess so i, I did have that uh that you know that male to male bonding thing mm. but it was never i was never like a hundred percent comfortable in being a that kind of man you know i guess maybe because there even there was there's such a stereotypical way of being an australian man that you yeah. don't necessarily connect with, and it's like, well, if that means being a man, then well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, what does being a man even mean now? I, that's a, it's such an. I mean, it's a little bit of what I'm trying to do with the magazine is showing right. that yeah. there's so many different ways of being a man nowadays, yeah. and um, there isn't that old-fashioned kind of stereotype anymore. So it's no, that's definitely been broken down. I think you're right, uh, but there is, I, I guess, um, some of those old-school sensibilities about right and wrong and being um, courteous, I guess, uh, that was definitely drummed into me. I don't know about you, Dan. Yeah. As, as a kid, like from my, my mom, my grandma, my dad, you know, like, you know, I, I still open doors for, for people and I still let people walk in front of me. Like, there's all that courtesy, which I guess is not necessarily about being a, a man per se. Being, being a good person. Being a good yeah. person. And it, is that what it is? Is that we just be good people rather than I, th- I think so. Ourselves? I don't really take those arguments on masculinity like too seriously because mm. I, I look. I understand that it's a contract, and I, I, I don't, I don't really care what people think about me being a man. Like I, I feel like I'm the best man I can be. Well, I could probably be a better one, but <laughs> uh, that's something for me to keep working on. Yeah. yeah. Or yourself, Dan. Um. It, yeah, coming from what I do on a daily basis, I've, I've, I believe I've watched an evolution. You know, like the oldest old gentleman has become more gentlemanly. The blokiest bloke is coming in and getting a suit made. Yeah, you're <laughs> seeing the, the, in, the like, range of men that are in out his there. work boots and yeah. like bringing in photos of bunches of roses because he needs to match his accessories to his wife's bouquet. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So, like, mm. you're literally watching the the trimming back of mm. all this bullshit yeah, masculinity. Yeah. If, sorry, I'm maybe, no, no. maybe it is about being honest, like we were talking about before, you yeah. know, like being honest enough with yourself to, you know, stand up for the things that you believe in. Totally. And right. it's, it's cool. Like, for lack of a better term, you're mm. literally watching 
all of those constructs and all of those things that we were forever told to do, so to speak, um, be torn away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a change in today's society in the way that we're speaking, the way we're communicating, the way that we're allowed socially to be able to reference each other and everybody else. And what I think is really cool, like Caesar alluded to the whole femininity, of femininity and understanding that part of yourself it's kind of like we're allowed to celebrate more mm -hmm. and more and that's exciting because that's even though i've always been i'm very similar to caesar i've grown up my sister's sister's my best friend also yeah. um and cousins and you know I've, i grew up in a family of boys um yeah boys <laughs> footballers <laughs> right yeah, and right. musicians um but yeah, being just more in touch with your real self is being a man. It makes you more rounded and just, yeah. Totally. Just don't be a yeah. jerk. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, totally. Like, <laughs> That's it. Simple as that. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> That's it. Easy. Yeah, I think that's it, guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ooh, thank you, man. Thanks for having us. Awesome.